Amen. Y'all can be seated. Now, one of the nice things about May around here is you can get out and uh, get some dirt under your fingernails, plant a few things. Any hardcore gardeners in here? Last night I was talking to a guy from Durango. He started talking about gardening. I asked him what it was like gardening up there. He started talking about, well, it's zone 6.8 or something like that. And the other guy was like, hey, maybe it'll break it down for us novices here. But some of us got that dirt under our fingernails. We've been out in our gardens. Jesus is going to talk about soil today. He's going to talk about dirt as he tells us a parable, before we get there, we're going to set the stage. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 13. We're going to start right at verse 1. Because that same day, Jesus went out of the house. You say, what same day? Well, you remember in Matthew 12, we had seen that he had done a miracle right in front of some of the religious leaders. And they had rejected him to his face, saying that was not the power of God. That was the power of Satan. It was that same day. Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, the Sea of Galilee, fresh water. But you can imagine the scene if you were there. You can maybe hear the water coming in on the shore. Maybe slight breeze blows in the smell of fish. There's great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down. Wanted to get out a little further away from the crowd. Acoustics are good on the water. Did you know that? Maybe you saw that at the baptism when someone talks out over the water long before guys like Aaron could hook us up with these. He got in the boat and sat down and the whole crowd stood on the beach. Now scholars tell us that was common back then. A teacher sits and the crowd stands. I don't know how that would go over this morning. We're not going to try it. That was common back then. The whole crowd stood on the beach. Verse 3 says he told them many things in parables. And that's for sure. In this chapter alone, there are seven parables. The the word parable is interesting. It comes from two Greek words, parabolo, to throw alongside. What's thrown alongside? Well, an earthly story is thrown alongside a heavenly meaning to, to help folks remember it. Jesus was a master teacher. And all of these parables are about one central thing. The kingdom of God. That was an important theme for his followers to learn about right now because they had just seen some of the key religious leaders reject the one claiming to be the king. So maybe they're wrestling with some questions. Is he, is he really the king? Because a lot of the leaders are rejecting him. And if so, what kind of kingdom is this? where the religious leaders are trying to destroy the king. Today, I think the big question I want to focus in on in the first of these kingdom parables is what kind of soil is your heart? What kind of soil is your heart? And we're going to go through four kinds of soil this morning. The first one I would call hard soil says Jesus began speaking, saying a sower went out to sow. Obviously, we're before John Deere here. These guys would go out often in a loincloth with a satchel around their waist and a bag of seed, and they would scatter that seed in their field by hand. Verse 4, as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, 
Luke tells us it was trampled underfoot and the birds came and devoured them. A couple questions here. What kind of path are we talking about? Well, they didn't have barbed wire like we do today. right? So many times back then, fields were divided by paths. One person's property might be here, a path, and then another person's property. Luke tells us it was trampled underfoot on that path. What, what happens when dirt is walked on repeatedly? Compacts. It, it gets hard. And the birds came and devoured the seed because it would not penetrate that hard soil. I think about birds. When they come to devour something, they don't mess around. You ever seen trash day in your neighborhood? Man, if your trash cans open this much, that's what I imagine on this seed. Boom. And, and, and it's gone. The seed does not penetrate. The birds come and gobble it up. Each of these soils represent a type of heart. Diagnosis for this heart, I will call it a, a hard heart. No understanding of the message of God, of the message of the kingdom of God. Unsaved. Jesus is going to break it down in His own words starting at verse 18 in the chapter. But hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom... Luke tells us this, the seed is the Word of God. So the Word of the Kingdom, the Word of God. So let me ask you a question here right away. Is, is the problem with the seed? No. No, it's the same seed in, in all four of these examples. The problem is not with the seed, the, the, the Word of God. What's going on with this hard soil, this hard heart? Verse 19, when anyone hears the Word of the Kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. Mark 4.15 says, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word. Luke 8.12 says, Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Back to Matthew, Jesus says, This is what was sown along the path. Think about that hard heart that does not understand and receive the seed of the Word of God. Have you received the Word of God? The, the good news of Jesus Christ who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Me. Have you received that seed? The enemy does not want you to receive that seed. We see his work in this story. John Bunyan, many of you know him from Pilgrim's Progress. I began one of his other works recently, Holy War. It's also like Pilgrim's Progress in that it's parabolic. Holy War is a picture of how Satan came to Adam and Eve to, to steal their allegiance, to get, get them to turn against God. And, and in that parable, Holy War, he, he talks about a city called Mansoul. That's, that's where men live. And he and his demons discuss how to overthrow man's soul. And they do. And once they get in, they catch wind that the king and his son have a plan to redeem man's soul. But Diabolus, which is what John Bunyan calls the evil one in his book, does not want the people to hear the message of the king to redeem the city. So he says, 
my fellow citizens, my, my loyal citizens. You will hear word that the king is coming, but I want you to put on your armor. And you'll notice that these armor pieces are sort of a counterpart to the armor we, we are to wear as believers. He's, Diabolus says, I want you to put on the breastplate of a hard heart. When the king comes spreading his news, I, I want you to avoid a soft heart at all costs. You keep up a hard heart. And he says, I want you to lift the shield of unbelief. This is how Diabolus put it. If the king speaks of judgment, care not for it. If he speaks of mercy, care not for it. Question the truth of all. Great picture of a hard heart. Hard heart, hard soil. What's the need here? Soft soil. Soft soil. How? If, if you look at that and say, wow, I am that hard soil this morning. Cry out to the Holy Spirit to plow the hard soil of your heart to bring you to repentance. I think even as believers, sometimes we find ourselves in moments where our hearts are resistant to something God is laying on our hearts. And I want to do something different this morning. We all hear so many sermons these days, Sunday after Sunday, podcast after podcast during the week, and there is value in the preaching of the Word of God, but sometimes we have to slow down and ask ourselves, how much of that is getting passed here and into my life? And sometimes that means getting alone with the Lord and praying, Lord, now Holy Spirit, take that Word and, and do what you want in my heart. Praying. So after each of these soils, I'm going to invite you to spend some time alone with the Father in prayer. When it comes to hard soil, if you say, man, if I'm honest, there's some hardness in my heart right now. I'm going to throw a, a prayer up here that may help you. You pray as the Lord leads, but go something like this. Father, forgive me for any place my heart is hardened to your truth. Please break down my resistance. Plow under my pride. Help me open up and receive the seed of truth you wish to implant in my life. Now is your time with the Father. Just take a few moments and talk to Him about that.
second kind of soil Jesus talks about is the rocky soil. Matthew 13, verse 5. It says, Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil. And immediately, you'll see that word a couple times here. Seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. Now, those who know geography tell us even today in Israel, it's not uncommon to find a shallow limestone layer. So what's going on here is the farmer casts a seed into the dirt, unaware that just a couple inches down there's this limestone. And that limestone's going to heat up from the heat of the sun. So that seed's likely going to sprout first. And the farmer might be excited at first, like, wow, I didn't use miracle growing. It's already popping up. This is great. But what happens? After it says immediately they sprang up. Since they had no depth of soil, but when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Luke 8.6 says because it had no moisture. The roots could not go deep because that, that limestone was there. They could not get the needed water. Rocky soil. What's the heart diagnosis here? Shallow heart. No root. Immature. Listen to Jesus' own words in verse 20. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. This may even be very dramatic. Maybe maybe there's tears Maybe it's very exciting, very flamboyant. Nothing wrong with any of that. But what happens next? Verse 21. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. See that immediate again? Immediately received, immediately falls away. William Hendrickson put it this way, once the spell has subsided, he seems to have forgotten and returns to his former sinful life. Luke puts it this way in 8.13, they believe for a while and in time of testing fall away. What's the need for a shallow heart for this rocky soil? The need is depth. How? Sink your roots down. Press into Christ who will give you maturity and perseverance. Listen to what Paul says in Colossians 2.6. As you received Christ Jesus the Lord, that's the beginning of the journey, right? As you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. The journey continues, rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith. Don't, don't stop at the, the receiving. Continue on into the walking and pushing those roots deep down into Him. Some of this involves counting the cost of discipleship. Jesus told His disciples to do that. There's a cost to faithfully follow, following Jesus in a fallen world. The illustration he used about it was Luke 14, 28. He said, which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost 
whether he has enough to complete it. See, Jesus wasn't shy about the fact that there's persecution when you follow him. Some of us today might be shy to talk about that, but he told people, count the cost. You follow me, there's going to be joy unspeakable. And oh yeah, it will be more than worth it, but there will be trial. We need to preach that. What I hear Jesus getting at is we need less microwaves and more crockpots, spiritually speaking. You know what I'm saying? Microwave heats up fast, and, but right after it's done, you stick your hand in there, there's no more heat. Crockpot heats up over time and it holds that heat, right? We need less spiritual bottle rockets and more long-distance overseas flights. To put it in biblical terms, we need less spiritual sprinters and more marathoners. That's what Jesus is getting at here. We need to remind believers early on in their walk of things like John 16.33, where Jesus says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. My buddy Paul likes to say it this way when he thinks of this verse. Peace is optional. Finding your peace in Jesus is a choice. Peace is optional. Trials or are not. Peace is optional. Trials are not. A good premarital counselor tries to help young couples understand this reality about their relationship, right? That, hey, I know you love each other, but you're going to have some bumps along the road. Every couple does. And if you've ever done any kind of premarital counseling, you see that look in their eyes where they're nodding, but you know inside they're like, yeah, not us. (laughs) And that's okay because they haven't been there. you got to expect that, right? But you try to prepare them. And the couples with the the battle-hardened wisdom, you know, you might hear things like, listen, till death, do us part. You know what that means? It means marriage is like a cage match. Only one of you is getting out alive. You know, others of us try a more subtle approach. You know, you try to tell them funny stories and tell them you guys are going to have bumps. Like you might tell them the story about the, the, the groom and the bride. They get married and they're on their honeymoon and, and the bride is so worried that he's going to find out about her stinky socks. And the groom is so afraid that she's going to find out about his bad breath that he's been able to hide to this point. So the bride says, all right, I'm just going to tell him. So she comes and she says, I, I got something to, to tell you about. And he leans in and he says, me too. <laughs> and she backs up and says, you ate my socks? <laughs> you, you try to prepare him. Right? Why? Because you want them when those bumps come to know, hey, it's normal. We're like every other couple. I did a wedding last night. And this couple, young though they were, had an amazing maturity in this way about them. I was there at their rehearsal on Thursday at 345 in Dewey. If that tells you anything, you remember Thursday afternoon? We were wearing ponchos. It was outside. Raining cats and dogs during the rehearsal. They, they said, let's go through with it. And I watched this young bride and groom. Like if there ever was, would have been a moment to like start to bicker or anything, they didn't. They just, hey, let's, let's do this, whatever it takes. And their families too. I'm like, where did this amazing maturity in this couple come from? And 
And I got to thinking about some of the things they had shared with me about their, their journey dating. That rain at the rehearsal was nothing compared to the real storms that they had already gone through. She, she shared how when her nephew battled cancer over the past year or so, her boyfriend, the, the groom-to-be, dropped everything and, and, and acted as though it was his own nephew and, and jumped in and helped the family and went down and secured a hotel for the family near the hospital. And she talked about how that meant so much to her that, that he wasn't only there for the easy times but the good times. I mean, you think about this young man, like, what if, what if that had started to happen and he saw the, the turmoil in, in his fiance's life and was like, I'm just here for the smooching. I'm out. I didn't sign up for this. He didn't do that. He didn't do that. He, he hung in there with her and it meant the world to her. And I, I think about that. How Isn't it couples that, that hang in there through the fire and come out the other side together that experience a, a, an intimacy that couples that bail at the first sign of trial never taste? And I believe it is the same spiritually in our walk with Jesus. If, if you bail or give up or check out, like, I'm not following anymore. This is not what I signed up for. You're going to miss out on the deepest intimacy. Paul talks about something in Philippians 3.10. Paul wanted to experience not only the power of the resurrection, but the fellowship of sharing Christ's sufferings. Do you know that fellowship with Christ? Do you know that intimacy with Christ by hanging in there with Him and not bailing in the trials? We need to adopt the attitude of the Even If song by Mercy Me. Some of you know that song well. I know you're able and I know you can save through the fire with your mighty hand, but even if you don't, my hope is you alone. I know the sorrow and I know the hurt would all go away if you just say the word. But even if you don't, my hope is you alone. Is that your heart towards Jesus? If you want to pray about this, if you sense any of this rocky soil going on, I want to put a prayer that may help. Father, I confess I have a lot of growing to do. My faith is sometimes immature and shallow. I'm quickly excited in happy times, but quickly bail when things get difficult. Please help me deepen my roots in Christ. May His steady perseverance and power carry me even when hard times come. This is your time.
the third of the four soils that Jesus talks about, I'll call thorny soil. Verse 7, Jesus says, Other seeds fell among thorns. And some of you are like, Hey, what kind of farmer casts seed among thorns, right? Well, the next phrase helps us out here. And the thorns grew up. It's likely that he had gone through and uprooted the thorns or burned the thorns off. But what, what, what's going on? There's roots of those weeds and those thorns in the soil. Other seeds fell among thorns and the thorns grew up with it and, and choked them. Choked the plants. And Mark tells us it, it yielded no grain. Diagnosis here, I'll call this the, the choked heart. The distracted heart. The unfruitful heart. Jesus' own words on it in, in verse 22. He says, As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in, that's from Mark, and choke the word. Luke 8.14 says it this way, they are choked by the cares and, and riches and pleasures of life. Back to Matthew, Jesus says it proves unfruitful. Luke 8.14 says their fruit does not mature. Thorny soil, choked heart. What's the need here? Fruitfulness. You say, how? Those thorns need cut back. Listen to this. When our mind is filled with worries, thoughts about wealth and possessions, desires for more, and there is room for nothing else, what happens? One man put it this way. When you get in that state, there is no room for calm and earnest meditation on the Word of the Lord. Have you ever found yourself there? Now think about busyness. Like Some busyness is just part of life, right? But some busyness and distraction is a choice we make. We talked about the cares and pleasures of life, but I want to talk about a, a different kind of distraction that sometimes chokes us. You go to a hundred different websites and you'll get different stats on this, but listen, one, one called Zipia. Is on average, we touch our phones 2,617 times per day and unlock our phones 150 times on average. And I don't know if you've ever found yourself like me on a day where you literally feel sick because you find yourself tied to needing to look at something on here and you keep doing it and you see more important things slipping by like, like time with your family. And you're like, why do I keep going back here? And I believe the same thing can happen between this and our relationship with God. Some of us need to set some boundaries with this. Some of us need to cut back some thorns with this. We need to stop doing what, what Steve told me about this morning. He put it this way. Sometimes we, we settle for the urgent instead of the important. And often what we think of as urgent isn't really urgent at all. 
Some of us need to cut back some thorns in that way and, and enable ourselves to focus on the relationships that really matter with our, our family and our church family and primarily our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We need to simplify. And how did Jesus say it? Seek first the kingdom of God. Then He gives us a promise so we don't have to worry about all the rest. And His righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. He's got all those things we're worrying about. Some of us need a little more Mary in our hearts. Remember Martha and Mary? Jesus came to the sister's house and Mary's at the feet of the Savior listening. And Martha was preparing things. Luke 10.40 said, Martha was distracted with much serving. Nothing wrong with serving. There's something wrong with, with it when it becomes distracting. Martha was distracted with much serving. And, and, and she went up to Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. How often are we choosing the good portion in our average 24-7 life? Think of these old words. You'll know this song. O soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's light for a look at the Savior and life more abundant and free. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. If you see some of your own life in the choked heart, I want to put a prayer up. Father, my life is way too crowded. I'm distracted by many things. I put way too much time, energy, and thought into possessions and earthly pleasures. I have allowed my love for you and my focus on eternal matters to be minimized and choked out. Please show me what thorns are overtaking my heart and give me the resolution and strength to cut them down. This is your time with the Lord.
We'll finish up this morning talking about what Jesus calls the good soil. Uh, verse 8. The other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain. Some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Straight to the point, right? Diagnosis here. This is an honest and good heart. Those are some of the words that Jesus will use. Verse 23. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who who hears the word, but it doesn't stop there. Here's the word and, and understands it. Okay? But it doesn't stop there. Mark 4.20 says, and accept it. I hear it, I understand it, I accept it into my life. I invite the Father to work it out in my life in the power of the Spirit. Luke goes even further. Luke 8.15 They hold the word fast in an honest and good heart. You catch all those? Hear it, understand it, accept it, hold it fast. Back to Matthew, he indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold and another sixty and another thirty. If you look and say, by God's grace, there's some good soil in my heart. What's the need here? By God's grace, keep it up. Continue to bear fruit. You've multiplied 30-fold, go for 60. You've multiplied 60, go for 100. If you're still here, He's not done. He's not done bearing fruit. You say, how? How? Hold His Word fast. Cling to it as you go throughout your day. And continue to, here's a phrase he used, bear fruit with patience. I think that's important. Bear fruit with patience. Because it doesn't always come as fast or in the ways that we'd like it, right? The fruit comes with patience in His time, in His power, and in His way. Be like the guy in Psalm 1 whose delight is in the law of the Lord. Verse 2, on his law he meditates day and night. Verse 3, he's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. And its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. As we wrap up, I want to ask the question, do you hear Jesus this morning? Do you hear him? Verse 9, he says, he who has ears, let him hear. Not just here, but here. He who has ears, let him hear. What kind of soil is your heart? Father, I come before you this morning and I begin with confession. Well, I would love to say that 24-7, 365, that the characteristics of the good soil are my life, that would be a lie. There are moments by your grace where that's true. There are other moments in my life where I look at these other soils and, and those characteristics creep in. Sometimes I'm stubborn and resistant. Sometimes I'm distracted. Sometimes I'm distracted by things of this world. Sometimes we bail too quickly. When following you calls us to something that, that we didn't sign up for. Lord, I thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ, which cleanses from all sin. 
He is the Word that became flesh and dwelt among us. And we know that it, if there is to be life in us, eternal life and, and growth and fruit, it is not of ourselves. It is of the living Word within. Draw us to faith in the Savior. If we have that faith in the Savior today, and we need to, may we recommit. And Lord, help me with my soil. I want to bear more fruit for you, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.